Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we're talking turning purpose into profit with Melissa Griffin. And I ask Shauna, how in the world do I get my partner financially motivated? Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. Today's question is such a good one. It comes from Jana, and I think this is something that if, if any of us listening have ever been in a relationship, we struggle with how in the world do we get our partner on the same financial page? Because 
it inevitably always feels like, you know, the other person is thinking different about money and is not thinking the way we want them to think about money or handling their money the way we want them to handle the money. And that's frustrating, right? Uh, I certainly know that I have experienced this many times. So I'm sure that you have as well in some form or fashion, maybe you even have, you know, kind of this like continuous argument with your partner or your spouse. And it just like money just seems to be this bone of contention, this place where we can't quite get on the same page. And You know, I mean, I've said this before on the podcast many times, but the two reasons that most people get divorced are sex, there's a sexual issue, and it's not this type of podcast, so I won't go into that. But the second reason is money. And it it really, I think, stems from the fact that we don't talk about money. So Jana's question says, hi, I've been in a relationship with my partner for almost two years, and we've begun talking about the possibility of marriage. After listening to your podcast at the age of 27, I started to really think about my finances and how I want my relationship to money to be in the future. Because of this, I've begun to put a big dent in my credit card debt, have started a TSP Roth account, and have started a savings account. Although my partner and I are both aware of each other's debt, I'm trying to get him more motivated and active in his finances. Potentially taking a financial planning class, starting a budget, a TSP Roth, etc., How can I get him motivated, particularly since his financial woes may one day be mine? And this is such a good question. And I I think, first off, I just want to applaud you for thinking about this ahead, because I think, you know, we get so like swept up, especially as girls in uh, the actions of wanting to get married, wanting to have it, you know, the big wedding and the honeymoon. And then we start thinking about having babies. And it's like, you know, we don't, we don't stop to think about, the financial situation that's going to happen when we combine assets or certainly when we get married because you know whether you like to think about it this way or not whether you keep your finances separate from your spouse or from your boyfriend girlfriend when you get married there still is this legal joining together sure you can keep assets separate sure there are prenups and postnups and and all of those types of legal documents But if I'm going to be real with you, in the majority of states across the U.S., when you get married, they are what are called community property states. It's not every state, but there are a lot of states that are. And so when you when you say I do and you sign on that marriage certificate from that point forward, a lot of assets are considered joint assets. And this is something important to to think about, at least And you know, the answer to your question, Jenna, is it's not easy. You know, one of the best things. I figured out in my own marriage is that we both come with our own views and relationship around money. And I had to figure out, you know, what are Jeff's strengths and weaknesses? And then I also had to be really honest with what mine are. And I think that particularly when you're dating, if you can come to that place of open communication around money, and I know it sucks and it's hard and, uh, you know, it's not, it's not a topic like, when we're having a good time, we want to be like, oh, hey, so um, I want to run over your weaknesses around money. It's just, it's not a good conversation topic, but it's a really good conversation topic because you can then form some sort of idea in your head about how your your boyfriend, girlfriend, your spouse, how they were raised, how they grew up thinking about money, what was 
relevant in their situation? Did they grow up with a lot of money, without a lot of money? Is that influencing how they look at their money situation now? And how is that going to carry into your marriage? You know, a lot of people, um, especially if you're of faith, you go through some sort of premarital counseling. But I think in my opinion, honestly, I think everybody should go through some sort of, it doesn't have to be with a therapist or a counselor, but it's sitting down and going over what you want the vision of your life to look like. And part of that is the finances. What are you bringing into the marriage? And what are you expecting out of the marriage? You know, are you going to be frustrated if that person goes out and spends a lot of money on something without asking your permission. And I think that's one of the main reasons, especially when people that have been single for a long time, they get married maybe later in their 30s, there's this real independent spirit that they don't want to think about the money as a joint partnership asset. And they would rather just keep everything separate so they don't have to get in any of the arguments. But I'm here to tell you that the arguments are going to happen regardless. And the more that you keep communication to a minimum around the money, the more you're kind of sitting on a landmine for things to erupt. So a couple of suggestions, you know, I talk about money date nights, whatever you want to call them, a happy hour, going to the park, going to your favorite restaurant, or just maybe you cook dinner and then you kind of sit around the table. It doesn't have to be this long, drawn-out, you know, multi-hour event, but it is a time where you can go somewhere comfy and you can talk about your goals. What's coming up financially for you? What is your vision around money? And again, if if you haven't had that conversation, it's what did your childhood look like? What are your memories around money? How did your parents handle money? What was that like for you? Maybe what was the first financial mistake that you feel like you made and why did you make that you know it's it's having that open and honest conversation but without judgment that's the key without saying like well you shouldn't have done that or i would have done that differently you know when we start putting those judgment factors on the relationship i think that's really where the tension comes from because it's not you it's them and they're going to do it completely different whether you like it or not and then you know, once you decide to get married, having a good money system in place is really key. Even if you decide to keep your money separate, whether it's it's a weekly or a monthly money system, but some sort of process that the two of you mutually decide upon. And usually that means setting someone as the CEO of your monthly finances. Not that you're not both involved in it, But usually one person in the relationship is much better at handling the day-to-day, you know, situations, things that come up around finances than the other person. And I feel like you should play to that person's strength. If you get frustrated and easily stressed out around money and the other person has a more sort of jovial outlook or maybe can see things a little bit differently and they're willing, why not pass the reins to them? I mean, you still got to know what's going on. You still got to know passwords. You still got to know where the money is. You still got to know all that stuff. But if that's a stress for you that just gets too much for you to handle, maybe the other person can do that and you know you can have these money date nights where you come together and you have an open discussion. And then I think, again, being flexible, being flexible, realizing the other person is coming from this differently, 
and a different perspective and at least just hearing them out. You may not agree, you may not like it, you, you may have done it completely different, but being flexible that, okay, maybe we can handle our money situation, particularly when we get married a little bit differently. Maybe you can compromise and I can compromise and then we can figure out something that works best for us. And one of the best tips that I have given many, many, many couples over the last 12 years is to set something I call a don't ask, don't tell spending limit. And this is just as simple as it sounds. And it's a number that you come up with in your relationship. Could be $100, could be $1,000, could be $50, whatever that number is where you're saying, okay, you can spend up to this amount of money without having to have a conversation, having to talk about money. And on the other person's part, when they spend up to that money, you can't assess any judgment on them, right? That's what you decided and that's the number. But anything over that number, you need to at least have some sort of communication around it so that you're both on the same page. I think that that really helps eliminate the frustration of when the other person spends money. But I think taking a class together is a great way to open the dialogue and get really real with the numbers on your end, the good and the not so good. And it sounds like you're already doing that, but I would just encourage you to do more because you've got to see the full picture and it's important. So there aren't, you know, too many surprises down the road and also to just make each other feel okay with talking about the not so good stuff because marriage isn't full of just good stuff it really isn't there's a lot of hard stuff you have to deal with and if you can take away the stress of not talking about money it can really bring you together as partners in amazing way you can really start seeing yourself as teammates and you know I, I just think that you're really on the right path. I just would encourage you to keep communication, keep talking about the hard stuff. And I think it's really going to pay off at the end, whether you decide to get married or not get married. All right. So today's episode, I'm so excited about. We have all heard of those people who launching these online businesses and they're making a million dollars. And Yet it still seems unbelievable. And we're like, well, I don't know any of those people. So this cannot be a reality. Well, almost on accident, Melissa Griffin, she transformed a website design business that she had into a multi-million dollar online business, teaching others how to transform their own businesses. But at the end of the day, she still felt last year a bit purposeless and, and something that I think that we can all relate to no matter where our career is, no matter what our career looks like, no matter how much money we're we're making or not making. And if you're thinking the whole money-making thing online is not realistic, then you've got to meet Melissa because she's not only incredibly successful at her own business, but she spends her days helping others. She's got her own podcast, Pursuit with Purpose. And of course, it's all about talking how to have purpose in whatever career journey you're on, whatever life journey you're on. But the money lessons that Melissa has learned on, along the way, I think they're really going to resonate with you. They might even shock you a little bit. And I think you need to hear this message no matter what your career is, but particularly if you have that thought in the back of your head of, I've got a talent, maybe I can actually turn this into profit. I've shared with you before that I am on this quest to listen to two audiobooks a month this year. And so I'm so excited to have Audible as a Millennial Money podcast sponsor. I think audiobooks are just 
They're just great for helping you become a better you, whether you want to feel healthy or get motivated, learn something new, or just kind of check out. I just finished listening again to The Big Magic, which is this incredible book all about creative living beyond fear, something that I'm trying to do actually every single day. But with Audible, you can listen to more books because you can switch seamlessly between all of your devices and then just pick up where you left off so you don't have to worry about finishing a book, you know, right when you start it. And Audible members, they get this credit every month good for any audiobook in their store, regardless of price. And what I love is that the unused credits roll over to the next month. So it's great for your bank account, too. And if you didn't like the book, you can just exchange it with no questions. But don't take my word for it. Check out Audible yourself and join me on a two-book-a-month quest. Audible is offering Millennial Money listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash mymoney and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a free trial and start listening. Again, go to audible.com slash mymoney or text mymoney to 500-500 to get started today. Okay, friend, I want to know. What are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas 
and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin' a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin', I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin' today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin' app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I'm sorry, but I have the best dog ever. Her name is Winnie Stardust. She is a mini golden mountain doodle full of life, and I would do just about anything to keep her happy, healthy, and safe. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of your family and you want to do the best for them, but vet bills can really add up. We jokingly keep telling Winnie she needs to get a job to pay for her vet bill. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customized accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping to ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you are least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independent American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer, is not engaged in the business of insurance. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance, so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. 
So Melissa, it is so awesome to have you on the podcast. You know, you're in this pursuit to regain passion, I would imagine, in all areas of your life, not just in your career. And passion can be this real, you know, buzzword uh, when we think about it. But I'd love to know from you, just to start off, why is finding and regaining that passion so important to you? Yeah, so I actually like to think of it as purpose, because I would say that I've had passion in my life in a lot of different ways. I've had passion when I was pursuing money and competition over feeling fulfilled and creative. And I was passionate in a lot of places in my life where it didn't lead me to something that was was good for me. So now I've been focusing a lot more on purpose and really cultivating that passion into something that's fulfilling to my life. And it's really meaningful to what mark I want to leave on the world. So um, I've been thinking about that a lot more in all areas of my life, my relationships, my business, and really thinking about what is the long-term vision? What's the mission that I want to create? And what, what does that purpose look like for all of these different things that are in my life? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think purpose has such a powerful meaning. And I think we all just like as humans want to figure out what our purpose is and be purposeful. I, you know, I think that's something that we, that we all share in common. And you've been really successful with this, but, you know, do you feel like people can really find purpose, especially in business and make profit with that? Absolutely. I I had that fear too, going into this new mindset that maybe I'm not going to make any money or maybe my business is going to fail if I'm focusing more on purpose and less on cash flow. Um, And what I found is that if you're fully in alignment with your purpose and you really know what is that thing or the things that you want to bring to the world and to the people in your life, then you're so much more intentional about growing your business. Because if you're just growing your business or different facets of your life with more of a a mindset of wanting external validation or getting money or things like that, then there's kind of a plateau, at least for me there was, where you get to this point and you're like, cool, I did a lot of the things that I thought were important, but it didn't actually bring me satisfaction. So instead, when you have that purpose guiding you, then it's like the sky is the limit because you have this big mission behind you. So you make more money, you have better relationships, and you just bring more of everything that you want into your life. Yeah, that's so powerful. And you know, before we kind of dive into your background and your story, what would you say to the people listening that are really struggling to get that alignment with purpose in their business? Are there a few tips or a few strategies that that you kind of went through that uh, you could share with the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I would say is get rid of all of the outside noise because it's so easy to fall into the trap now of listening to what everyone else is doing and following hundreds of accounts on social media, subscribing to tons of email newsletters, and just looking at what other people are doing rather than cultivating the gifts that we all inherently have. So something that I do, and I'm actually doing this right now, is every few months I unfollow everybody on social media um, and email lists and anywhere where I'm consuming information. And I just stop the consumption. So if you go to my Instagram right now, it says following zero people. And I do that because sometimes I, I notice that I personally fall into this trap of following a few people, even with being intentional about who I'm following. I still get those feelings of, wow, this person is doing something so cool. Why am I not doing that? Or 
wow, maybe I'll never be like that person or wow, that's such a cool idea that they're doing. Maybe I need to do that and put my, my other dreams and goals on hold that I've been so passionate about. So I go through this little like anti-binge of <laughs> not consuming anything for a few months and letting my my system and my own creativity just recalibrate so that I can get back in touch with what I'm purposeful about, what I'm passionate about, rather than letting other people's ideas kind of infiltrate me. Um, yeah, and that's, then, that's so powerful. And do you find, do you find like that, that place of refreshment when you do that? A hundred percent. Yes. And refreshment and like a lack of anxiety too. Cause I feel like when I see what everyone else is doing, I start to get anxious and overwhelmed just thinking about all the things I could do or should do. So it gets me back to this really calm place of so many more opportunities, which almost seems counterintuitive. You'd think seeing what everyone's doing makes you see all these opportunities, but really it makes you feel really small. So I think doing that makes me feel just more excited about things and my ideas and willing to pursue them instead of looking at what other people are doing instead. Yeah, I, I would imagine that would be very powerful. And then how do you do the process of going back and, and following people? Are you then more selective like every time you do this? I am. Yeah. So I, when I go back and refollow people, I wait a few months before I let myself do that. And it's only when I know like I'm out of the season of needing to just be on my own and I'm ready to start getting some inspiration from outside sources again. And then I'll just kind of like find somebody that I'm talking to, or I'll remember an account that I used to get a lot of good inspiration from. And I'll just add people back very intentionally. Uh, I'm not even following certain family members that I'm really close to. It's really <laughs> just thinking like, what am I getting out of following this person? Is it actually going to help me take action on my goals? Or is it going to detract or keep me from feeling that purpose and drive in my own life? So I am really selective about who I refollow after that. That's very cool. I'm I'm going to need to start doing that. I'm going to borrow that practice. I think that that would be that would be so great just to be able to kind of I, I think feel that freedom even if you don't run your own business just to be able to have that freedom of not feeling like you're chasing after everyone. Mm, yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting to think that like 50 years ago, this was not even a thing. Like you knew the people who you knew in your personal life and that was kind of it. And now it's like, you know, people who live in Australia, even if you've never been there or like people who live on other continents just because you see them on Instagram. So we're, we have so much information and knowledge and inspiration at our fingertips that it becomes really overwhelming and we forget the gifts that we have inside of us too. Yeah, that's awesome. So you have been on quite a business journey yourself the last couple of years, you know, some good moments, some not so good moments. For the listeners who don't know your story, would you share a little bit about kind of your own journey and the journey then that's led you to this pursuit with purpose? Absolutely. So I started my business in 2013 when I was an English teacher in Japan, and it was completely started on accident. Um, it was really just meant to be a fun side hobby and then ended up turning into a graphic design studio that I had for a couple of years and had no business experience, didn't really know what I was doing. So it was really fun and exciting. And, and I tried a lot of things in those beginning stages and eventually 
turn that into a really profitable business that I wasn't really passionate about anymore. So at around the two-year mark, I had a blog, I had an email list in addition to this graphic design studio, and I decided to just shut down my graphic design business and start creating and selling online courses. So I was a teacher uh, in Japan before, so it felt like a natural fit to just start teaching online again. And so I created some courses that were geared towards how to teach people how to start a business. Um, So blogging tips, business advice, and I had all these different online courses. The following year in 2016, we had our first million dollar year in sales. And as I was creating these businesses, it was kind of like I was always running without ever stopping to make sure that I was on the right path. It was like, go, go, go. Like, oh, we're getting momentum. People are interested in it. We're making sales. Like, let's go as hard as we can, as fast as we can, as far as we can. And I I never really took the time to stop and think, is this really what I want to do? Or is this really impacting my true purpose? It was more about like, we're continuing to make money, so we might as well just do as best <laughs> as we can with it. Um, and I eventually got to a point. <clears throat> I got to a point in late 2016 when we had that big year, and I started just feeling very emotional about it. And I, I think I'd been emotional the whole year, but it, it really hit me. I was at a conference and I was listening to this spoken word poet and just started crying sitting there in the audience as I was thinking about where my life had led me and I felt really unfulfilled with my work because I was chasing things that weren't bringing meaning to my life. And I realized that all of my relationships with my, my partner and with my friends and family were, were not doing very well because I never prioritized them. My own personal development wasn't doing well because I'd put it on hold and my health was really bad because I hadn't been thinking about it at all as I was growing my business. So in that moment, I, I started to just think of how can I make this change so that I'm not running all the time and I'm actually taking some time to pause and to think about the impact I want to create and whether I'm on the right road to do that. So I made a lot of shifts in my business um, basically in the past year and a half. And we focused a lot more on how can we impact people in a way that's aligned with our mission and our purpose. And how can we give back in bigger ways to organizations and people that we admire and care about? How can we be more of um, more of a business that reflects the social justice that we care about? And, and how do we put that into our brand values? So thinking a lot more about being intentional with what I want to create in the world and bringing that purpose to more of what I do because it's it's just so much more fun when you feel like there's meaning behind your work versus you're just hustling to make money all the time. Yeah, and you know, would you say that most of your your clients' customers have they resonated with this change? Is this something where they have felt, you know, excited maybe about finding their own purpose through this as well? They really have. Yeah, I think a lot of my audience for the past few years has gotten 
a lot of messages about what it takes to grow a business, that you can grow a six-figure business in six weeks or that you need to make a million dollars on your next launch. And there's just so many messages about how many followers you need to have, how much money you need to make. And I think they felt really overwhelmed for a long time. I know I did too. And now that they're kind of seeing this message of you can have all of that, you can have the money, the followers, if that's something that's going to bring you fulfillment, but you can also have real purpose and make an impact and cultivate this meaning with your business too. And I, I see that really resonating with my community. For sure. And you you touch on something sharing your story. You know, the the dichotomy that exists, I think, between the idea of money, you know, making a million dollars, two million dollars, whatever that amount is, versus success. And I think too often we tend to marry those two together that I am as successful or as worthy as the amount of money that I'm making. Is that something that you've had to kind of process through going through this change? Yes and no. Um, I will say that I totally get that mindset because I think that it's just something that that society ingrains in us. So for a lot of us, we have to undo what society's put inside of our minds that if you mm-hmm. don't make XYZ amount of money, then you're not successful when really a lot of the highest earning people in the world are really unhappy. And I wouldn't necessarily yes. <laughs> consider that successful if, if you're just totally unhappy with your life. And there's other people who like live in tribes that have very little things and they're some of the happiest people. So I don't know that success can be defined by money in that way. And I think for a lot of us, it's more of like, how much money do we need to live the lifestyle that we want to and that's going to actually bring us joy, allow us to do the things in our life that are going to make us happy and and to feel successful. But I've definitely had to work on that kind of undoing of feeling like I ha- my, my self-worth was basically tied to my net worth. Yeah, it's interesting. I just read a quote from somebody. I, I don't remember who was the author, but they were talking about the whole process of growing up and kind of maturing through life is just actually the process of undoing things, you know, undoing all of these ideas and, uh, you know, things maybe we we grew up with as a child that we thought were true that actually aren't true at all. So I think that's such a powerful statement of, you know, being able to at least recognize that maybe there are some things that you need to undo. Right. Absolutely. I love that word and that phrasing too. I feel like that's so important. And I was just talking about this with my boyfriend yesterday that so many of the people who raised us, whether it's our parents or neighbors or media or anybody that <clears throat> that had an impact on us growing up, they were all just trying to figure it out too. And they were all undoing things that led them to who they were too. Like everyone that raised us was an imperfect person too. And yet we take all of those messages as complete fact when really it's all just subjective and it's all open for us to decide what, what we want to deem as true and what we feel like isn't something that's going to serve us. Yeah, for sure. And you you have some sort of control and responsibility over, you know, you finding your own purpose and your own truths and what, you know, will really resonate with you and your and your talents. Absolutely. Yeah. So what would you say, you know, throughout your your journey, what have been some of the biggest money lessons that have kind of stuck out to you along the way? Yeah. So I there have been a few. Um, I would say that the first one that comes to mind 
is investing in quality always. I think I grew up without very much money. I was my I grew up with my mom who was on welfare. We had like the free lunch at school and things like that. So I didn't grow up with very much money. So it was interesting as I, I grew up and seeing how that kind of played into my mindset. And originally I had thought like just buy the things that are cheapest, conserve as much of your money as you can. And then I started to just think about investing in things like is buying the cheapest thing, whether it's a contractor for my business or piece of furniture for my house, is that going to be something that serves me long-term and really thinking of long-term vision versus short-term goals. And so now I seek out the best quality things in, in most areas of my life, things like foods that are going to be the highest quality and nourish my body in, in the biggest ways or people that I hire in my business that maybe are more expensive than other people, but I know are going to deliver the biggest results. So that was something that I had to work through and something that I just 100% see the value in now, just finding the best things so that you can keep them for the longest amount of time. Um, and I've also learned partially from you too, absolutely, that money doesn't do any good sitting in a bank. Um, I think also because of my upbringing, I kind of just hoarded all of the money that I made and would keep it in a bank. Aside from investing in, in uh, quality things, I just didn't- Because it feels good, right? I mean, it good. feels comfy. Like there's my cash. And if I have an oh God moment, it's there yeah. waiting for me. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it was half that and half I just never learned anything about what to do with money once I have it, um, which maybe is part of growing up. That was just never a factor. Um, but now I've I've started to see like keeping your money in a bank is not really doing you much good unless you have some for like emergency savings. But now I'm starting to do things like invest in real estate and stocks and just think of other ways to use my money rather than just keeping it in a bank because it's it's so much more useful when it's growing in these other facets. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> you are. You are. Yes, you're great at that. And the last thing that I'll say too is one of the biggest money lessons I, I've learned is that making money can actually be easy and it can be really fun. And I think that in order for it to be both of those things, easy and fun, we have to believe that it is those things because it's easy to go into business or career and just always think of money as this thing that you have a negative relationship with or that's really hard to make or that you have to struggle and suffer to make good money. And I just, I don't feel like that's true. And I think a lot of it is whatever intention you bring to your money-making um, life. If it's going to be easy and fun, you have to believe that it is. Yeah, absolutely. I think that makes such a difference to in just how you approach people as well. And, you know, if people resonate with you, it's it's you feeling and, and believing that yourself. And then that, you know, yeah. that shows other people like, okay, they can do this too. And I think that's one reason why so many people are attracted to you and your message is just you have this real ease about you that I think is, you know, something that we just don't feel in everyday life with people. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. That's so talking about making money and, and and having it, you know, flow easily, you know, a lot of listeners are stuck in that place where 
they're trying to decide whether to leave, you know, corporate job or full-time job, you know, do something online. You know, there's certainly been a revolution in online education and the way that people are learning. Do you still think, you know, it's viable for people to to start a business online and make money? And what sort of tips would you give to somebody who's kind of in that decision process? I would say 100 100- million percent. It's still viable. Um, I, I hear that sometimes where people are worried maybe that it's so saturated that there's a lot of online businesses now, but I feel like it's not any more saturated than it was when we didn't have the internet because everyone still had their businesses. They maybe just weren't plastered all over the internet, but now there's just so many more potential customers out there in addition to all of these businesses that are online. So I think it just balances itself out. And I think that as long as you're giving value to people and you're being authentic, then they're going to resonate with you and they're going to want to hire you. So I definitely think that there's space. And I actually think it's a lot easier than than, than people maybe think of it as. Um, I think that if you're in a job that you hate or you feel like there's this thing that's your true purpose or your true passion that you want to create, then you might as well create it. Like It's not going to be a fun or happy life if you just decide to go through this job just because you feel like you have to. Um, so you might as well just do the thing that you know is going to make your soul feel more alive. And how would somebody go about, you know, who's never started an, an online business, let's say they wanted to teach a course on something, I don't know what, um, how would they go sure. about the process or what should they be thinking about you know, really honing in on their messaging, honing in on their branding. What are what are the like critical elements that you think somebody should focus on? My model has always been to just create valuable free content, whatever medium you want, blogging, podcasting, YouTube, create valuable free content, be yourself, make it really freaking valuable where it's like it would rank in the top Google or Pinterest search results just because it's some of the best content on that topic out there, very in-depth. And then use that content to build an email list. So maybe you have little free freebies inside of that free content uh, that you use to build your email list. So maybe it's a blog post. And then in that blog post, you give away a free workbook. But they only get the workbook if they give you their name and email address. And doing that in as much of your free content as possible that has been, it sounds so simple, by the way, but that <laughs> has been one of the best and most important things that I've ever done for my business because having free content is largely how I've grown my audience, attract people to my brand. And then having that email list and, and ways for people to sign up are just make it so simple to grow an audience basically on autopilot since people are always coming in to my website from this blog content that I have. And then they're always signing up for my email list. Um, and it sounds really simple, but I, I say it because a lot of people don't do this or they know it in the back of their head, but then they publish a kind of crappy blog post once a month and then forget to add an opt-in to their email list or just don't really put a lot of effort into this idea or solution. So I think you really have to be committed to creating great content and using it to grow your email list. And then once you have some people on your email list, it's so easy to launch an online course or pivot and launch a service or decide to launch a physical product. Like once you have those people in your tribe and if you are an authentic person with them where they can actually relate to who you are, then 
they're going to follow you regardless of what you're selling or what you're doing. They just want to be part of your world. Um, so I think that's huge. And I'll also say that I've been helping my boyfriend because he's trying to get out of his corporate job and he really wanted to start his own business. And he didn't really have any knowledge about the online business world. So I basically helped him by teaching him how to do a few things that are really helpful to entrepreneurs, like creating content upgrades and doing Pinterest management for businesses. And in the past, I think he's been doing this for about four months now, and he's almost full-time, probably in one more month, he'll be full-time. So about five months after starting, um, matching his corporate income at his job. And the biggest thing that he's done, aside from just hustling his booty off, is he reached out to first he he worked with me for free and um got some great results for my business and then was able to the the perks of being your boyfriend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, he knows. Um and and he was able to get some good results for my business, so then he leveraged those results by emailing cold emailing um other entrepreneurs and business owners in our space and letting them know what kind of results he got for me and what he could do for them. And then once he got one more person to say, yes, he got great results for them and then leverage that to tell other people about those results. So if I had some advice for somebody who really just wanted the quickest way out to starting a business, offer free, amazing services to entrepreneurs that are well-connected or businesses or anybody actually doesn't have to be an entrepreneur, but anybody who's your target market, who is maybe a well-connected person and can then introduce you to other people after you've gotten some good results for them. Um, because even if you're doing a couple free jobs, if those, those people are going to introduce you to 10 other really amazing clients, then that could be your ticket out of your job. And that could be a full-time business. And just like you said, it doesn't have to take that that long. I mean, your boyfriend's four months in. You know, it does. It's not something that has to be years and years. And wouldn't you agree? There are so many different topics out there, and and so many people are searching for information on these millions of different topics. There's absolutely no topic I think that is off the books. That is that is too silly to to talk about. I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> Which is so freeing. It's so exciting. Exactly. Because we all have, you know, we all have something we can share. And I think if we just kind of like get out of our own way, you know, it might be amazing to see what we could create. Absolutely. Yeah. And like I said earlier, it's like if you have a vision for something you want to do, then why not just do it? Like why bother looking back later on your life and thinking I didn't give it my all or I didn't put in everything that I know I could have or I didn't create a job that actually fulfilled me? Like our life is so short on this planet. Why not just do the things that you want to do, even if it's a little bit scary or uncertain? For sure. And, you know, kind of last question as we as we wrap up here. You talk on your very first episode of your podcast, Pursuit with Purpose, you talked about the difference between inner and outer goals. And goals is something that I'm obviously very passionate about. I think goals give your money direction, but they also give your life, your career, your relationships, every aspect of your life direction. Walk us through a little bit about the difference between inner and outer goals, because I don't think people think about it this way normally. Yeah, of course. So 
to me, there's two types of goals. Inner goals essentially are ones that are created for inner validation and acceptance. And outer goals are ones that are created for external approval or external validation. So to break that down a little bit more, inner goals might be something that brings you personal satisfaction. So something that's going to actually make you feel purposeful or fulfilled or have meaning in your life. So an inner goal might be something as simple as wanting to be happy or be confident and then allowing yourself to think of goals in your life that help you to be more happy or confident. And then outer goals would be something like making seven figures or buying a brand new BMW. If those things are goals so that you can get approval from other people. If you just want a BMW because you think that that's only personally going to satisfy you and you don't care about the approval from other people, then that's that's completely different. That's totally fine. But outer goals are more things that are goals that we set in order to get that approval or to appear successful to other people. So a lot of people, I think, when we think of goal setting, we think of outer goals. We don't realize why we want to achieve something. We just know that it sounds great. We're like, yes, I want to have that house because that just, it's going to make me look successful. And we don't really think about that or think of it in that way. But a lot of the times these outer goals are for that reason. But then if you can start to uh, conceptualize why you have those goals and why you're trying to kind of appease other people or, or make them think a certain way about you, then you can start to set goals that actually fulfill you. And maybe it is having a great house or car or whatever, but um, as long as it's tied to your purpose and it's bringing you inner satisfaction rather than kind of keeping up with the Joneses, then it's just going to add more purpose and meaning to your life. Yeah, I love that. I've never thought about goals quite in that way, but it's such a powerful way of separating the two and then really figuring out I think, what are your most important goals and which ones maybe aren't so much? Right, right. And which ones like there's a lot of goals that we set maybe that are outer goals, like income goals or things we want to have that kind of ruin our lives if we if we try to go after them. Like I know some people who want to run a $10 million company and, and that's really cool um, if they want to do that. But in the pursuit of doing that, they have really poor relationships. They don't focus on their health. And then they eventually get to this big goal and it doesn't actually bring them any joy or satisfaction. They just realize that now they appear successful to other people, but it actually doesn't mean anything to them if they don't have any um, inner joy or happiness. So just being more intentional about the goals that you have and not to say that you can't have big goals like a $10 million company or whatever you want. But just doing it with more intention and purpose behind it. I love it. Such a good place to end. Thank you so much, Melissa, for coming on the podcast and just so openly sharing your story. Tell the listeners where they can find you, where they can connect with you, and where they can hear more great inspirational content from you. Thank you so much, Donna. It's such a joy to chat with you. Um, they can find me at my podcast at pursuitwithpurpose.com. And then my website is melissagriffin.com and I'm pretty active on Instagram. So you can find the link to my Instagram on my website too. I think you'll agree there were so many great gems that Melissa talked about, but I think more than anything, what I take away from Melissa's story is that 
you know, you can make a change at any point in time. It's not necessarily going to be easy, but when you are in that place where you really know your purpose, you know the purpose that you offer to others, and you're able to bring that to the masses, I think people just resonate to that. Whether it's in the career you're in, maybe there's another position or another job that you're supposed to be in that's really going to help you fulfill your purpose even more or if it's that you want to start your own business or you want to start your own online business you know finding that sweet spot for your purpose i think just like melissa has done you can really leverage that into something i think beyond your wildest dreams as always you can follow me on twitter and instagram at shauna game and if you love this podcast please do me a favor share it with your friends shout it out on social media And the way this podcast grows is by great quality reviews from all the listeners, so I'd appreciate it if you head on over to the link in the show notes to leave us a review. 